It's a weird world we live in. The older I get, the cooler I was. So listen, I was asked tonight to talk about um, that the theme is greater. And we're going to talk about God being greater in position. Um, and I want to talk to you about a story in, in the Bible. It's a true story about uh, Moses. And see, Moses was this... Um, he was, a, he was a Jew, but he was adopted. He was adopted into the king of Egypt's family. So he's bawling, right? He's wealthy, he's educated, he's young, he's good looking. He's got everything going for him, right? He's got all of it going. And um, there's something in him, though, that he knows. He knows he's, a, he's adopted, he's not really Egyptian, he's Jewish. And as the story goes in Exodus, Moses saw... Because the Jews were enslaved in, in Egypt at that time. And Moses saw some of his fellow Israelites being abused by their slave handlers. And one was being beaten by a slave handler. And Moses came in to intervene. And we're not fully sure what happened, but rage took over. We know that. And Moses ends up killing the Egyptian. And because that happened, he became a wanted man. And he had to leave Egypt. He had to leave the palace. He had to leave wealth. He had to leave clout. He had to leave all of that and he went to live in the desert as a sheep herder. Now I want you to think about that. That is the opposite of started from the bottom. Now we're here. He started here and now he's at the bottom. And he spent the next 40 years of his life. Do you know how long 40 years is? Forever, okay? It's a long time. I'm 47. You know, I'm so old that when, when God said let there be light, I flipped the switch, okay? I'm just letting you know, like, it, like 40 years is a long time. He spent 40 years in the desert, roaming the desert, shepherding, nothing. And then, out of nowhere, God comes calling on his name. And it says in the Bible that Moses is out tending sheep. And he sees in the distance, he sees a bush and it's burning. And it won't burn up though. And I've been to the desert in Midian. I've been to that place. I've been out there. And you know, there are, there's these like mesquite-like bushes out there. And, and um, he sees it burning so he approaches it because he's like, how come it's not burning up? There's just a flame coming from it. And... Um, and I want to I read to you, because I want you to know this. Here's the thing. For some of you, guys, God comes knocking when you least expect it. And Moses went from here to here, and he thought his life was over, and he thought he was a failure, and he thought it was all done, and I'm just going to live the rest of my life out here with these sheep. And God comes knocking when you least expect it. And I want to read to you verses 1 through 4 of Exodus 3. It says here, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Weren't even his sheep. Like he's poor. He's not even poor. He's poor. He couldn't afford the ark. Okay? Like he, he went from palace to poor. Okay? He says, now Moses is tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that... Through the bush, 
that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? Then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, and God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So, I don't know if you know this, but God, God knew you way before you were born. God knew your name. He knew who you were. He knew all the little idiosyncrasies about you. He knew all of it, and he was crazy about you. You may have people in this world that are close to you that aren't crazy about you, but God knew everything about you. He was, and, and here, here's the interesting thing. I believe this, that God knew your name. And there's a point in your life where he will call you by name to him. And you have the choice. You have the choice whether you'll answer him or not. And here, because here's the thing. I'm going to clue you in on something. Every one of you in this room right now, you are ridiculously in charge of your life. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in charge. Look at him and say, I'm ridiculously in charge of my choices. Now, what that means is you can't be blaming people. I did this because of this. I did this because... No, you are ridiculously in charge and God loves you so much. He respects you so much. He's given you that. He's let you be ridiculously in charge. Some of you, you looked at your parents and they're like, no, you're not. Shut up. I pay your cell phone bill. I remember uh, my friend Marcos. Marcos um, was, a, was a stoner and um, at about 16... God came knocking at the door of his heart. See, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will come in. And Jesus was knocking at the door of his heart and he knew it. And he invited Jesus in to be his Lord and Savior. And it changed his life pretty quickly. Within months, he was really like diving into God's word. He got super involved in his youth group. He was um, really connecting with God and other people. And I remember I was his youth pastor, and I would, I would, I'd be preaching. I'd see him in the back of the room, and I didn't really know who he was. But he was this kind of like hard Latino brother, and he just stood in the back and mad-dogged me. And I just thought, oh, this kid hates me. Um, but what I found out is he was soaking it all in. And he was growing in the Lord. He got in a Bible study. He started doing all that. And he was on fire for Jesus after a couple months. And then he started telling all his friends about Jesus. He started bringing all his other friends, all his other stoner friends. And then the neatest thing, he, he finally introduced himself to me. He's like, hey, I'm Marcos. He goes, listen, um, are you going to be speaking next week? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you better be good. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you, you better do the Jesus thing so people can accept Jesus. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm bringing my brother. My brother's the biggest drug dealer in town. And he needs to hear about Jesus. So I'm bringing him. And I was like, okay. How old's your brother? He's 24. I'm like, you know this is a high school group, right? He goes, I'm bringing him. Okay, so, <laughs> so in comes this dude. He sat in the back. They looked identical. And um, not that night, but eventually, within a couple of weeks, Alex, his brother, gives his life to the Lord. God comes knocking at the door of his heart. And I'll never, I'll never forget, because, like, they showed up at my office, 
the night after his brother accepted Christ. And, they're, you know, and he's like, kung, kung, kung. So, hey, 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 hey. Alex knows Jesus now. I'm like, cool. So, like, we want to know what to do next. And I was like, well, are you a drug dealer? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you probably should get rid of all that and stop doing that. And he's like, yeah. That's a lot of money, man. I could tithe it to God. <laughs> I was like, tithing part good, but not proceeds from drug sales, okay? So then, yeah, they left. They came back the next week. He's like, okay, I'm done selling drugs. As a matter of fact, I took uh, like eight or nine bricks of weed. We took it in the backyard, and we just burned it in the bonfire. The whole neighborhood's high. My dog had munchies for a month, man. <laughs> So, here's what, here's what I want you to know, though. God has a calling on your life. Some of you, you invited Jesus in to be your Lord, but not really. You invited him in because you wanted to go to heaven, and there's nothing wrong with that. How many of you, like, that, I remember when I was, like, five or six years old, I went to Awana's, right? And they're like, who wants to go to heaven? I'm like, Me. Does anyone want to go to hell? No. Right? So, um, you know, that, that's kind of how it works, right? So I, I invited Jesus. I wanted to be saved. And the Bible says really clearly that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you'll be saved. It's that easy, right? But then here's what I need you to know. After you get saved, God has a plan for your life. And you can go about living out your plan, and I'm just here to encourage you, but your plan sucks compared to God's but see because God made you and he has a destiny for you and he loves you and he respects you and he says okay what are you going to do you're going to walk out my way or are you going to go your way and see God came knocking on Moses' door and here's the deal there are moments after God comes knocking and you receive Jesus, that he calls you to surrender to him now and begin to follow him. Um, that, that's number two. There are moments where he calls you to stop and surrender. I want to read to you verses five and six now of this story. It says, and then Moses said, here I am. Right? God was like, Moses, Moses. Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, there is this moment in Moses' life where, where God came calling and he, he's, he's right there. And it... And it what, what, what can happen to us is this, there, there's this immense feeling of I'm not good enough for God. I'm not holy enough for God. Some of you right now, you're thinking, Pastor, if you know what was going on behind closed doors in my life, God wants nothing to do with me. And here's what I want you to know. That is a lie from the devil. That is the biggest lie ever. God wants everything to do with you. And Moses hides his face. God doesn't say, good, keep it down there. No, no, God is calling him to him. Just like tonight, some of you, God is calling you to him. 
Some of you, God is calling you back home to him. And some of you, tonight's the night, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. And, um, and when, when, when someone of greater power than you, of greater authority of you, calls you to surrender, you surrender. Now, here, here's the example I'm going to use. Um, now, there have been several occasions in my life where I've had police officers point guns at me, okay? Now, you're like, shut up, pastor. Come on. You're like Ned Flanders. Like, hi-ho, praise the Lord. Listen. Onward, Christian soldiers. I've had multiple occasions where cops have pulled guns on me, and I want you to know something. Because I'm a SoundCloud rapper, too. I have a secret life. I'm kidding. I'm not really a SoundCloud rapper. Some of you, I see you, like, looking me up on SoundCloud right now. Listen. I remember one, one, I was in Nashville, Tennessee, driving a rental car that my friend, my friend owned a car dealership, and he said, don't rent a car, just take one of our lot, lot cars, and we'll put lot plates on it, and, and that's kind of, that'll be your rental car while you're there. So I'm driving it around, and I'm driving through some, like, ding, 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 town, you know, um, like, one stop sign kind of thing, and it was a speed trap, and it was one in the morning, and all of a sudden, boo, and I'm like, oh, man, so, you know, i pull over, and I'm, you know, hello, officer, and he's like, license of registration, please, right, and I pull out my license, and he looks at it, and the first thing out of his mouth, he's like, California, huh? I'm like, yes, officer, he goes, <sighs> he walks to the back, he runs my plates, and here's what I, I didn't know, um, the plates that they, the dealership had put on my car, on the car I was using, at some point in the in the last year, had been reported stolen. So I'm just chilling. It's one in the morning. I'm like, duh, duh, duh. and all of a sudden, get out of the car! Get out of the car! There's like a gun in my face. I'm like, ah! you know, and he pulls me out of the car, and I'm like, ah! I got my hands above my head. He's like, put your hands up! I'm like, they are up! You know, he slams me on the thing, and I'm like, I'm a pastor! I'm a pastor! He's like, a likely story, and he's cuffing me. He throws me in the back of the car, and luckily, as he's throwing me in the back of the car, my friend comes driving by, because we were coming from a concert, and he sees me cuffed going into the back of a car face first. He pulls over and he's like, he really is a pastor. And the guy's like, he's not a pastor. I'm no pastor. You know, the kind of thing. Finally talks him into letting me go. But, but here's the deal. When, when, when the cop pulled a gun on me, do you know what my first um, response was? Surrender. Right? And here's what I want you to know. At a certain point in your life, when God comes knocking and he wants your life because he has a destiny for your life. He's a good, good father who has a plan for your life, who has greater things for your life. Jesus made a way for you to know him, for you to know God. And at some point when God comes knocking at the door of your heart, you can run or you can surrender. You ever wonder why people put their hands in the air when they're singing? I used to think that was weird. I remember I go to church and people would be like, we make and I'd be like, and I remember the first time someone challenged me. They said, well, why don't you just put your hands there and sing? I go, because that's weird. Why do you do that? And they said, well, it's just really a sign of surrender. Like, I, I give up, Lord, I'm yours. And I was like, yeah, but that's weird. And they said, well, why don't you try it? And I go, I don't want to be weird. And they said, well, then that's fine, but... 
Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit might prompt you one day to do it and just be, not care what other people think about you. But you surrender when God comes knocking. And here's the deal. Tonight, for some of you, I think it might be your night. Um, here's the deal. We have a, a tradition we do here at this church that I think is pretty cool. So, anytime someone receives Jesus as their Lord, or they come home to faith in Jesus, we give them a bulb, and we give them this bulb, and it represents something. It represents that Jesus, the light of the world, now lives in you. And um, one, of, one of the cool parts about the bulb is you don't keep the bulb, actually. We have these, it's like big light bright signs over here. They might turn on at some point. Look at that. Yeah. It says, Jesus is life, light, and love. And here's what I want you to know. Every time someone came to Christ in the last three years, they, they came and they got a bulb. And it was their way of marking the day. That God came knocking at the door of their heart and they put their fear aside and they took some courage and they stood up and said, you know what, I'm with Jesus. And they take the bulb and they screw it in. You'll look, we've got, a, we've got just a few of the spots left on love over there. And for some of you, here's what I believe, tonight's your night. Some of you, you're far from God. Some of you, um, you don't know where you stand with God. If you were to die tonight, you don't know where you would go. Well, the Bible is very clear about this. That Jesus, that God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus. He knew that every one of us in this room were sinners. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As a matter of fact, look at your neighbor right now and tell him, sinner. <laughs> we are. We're all sinners. The Bible says this really, it's very clear. It says, for the wages of sin, for the wages of our sin is death. That means eternal separation from God. That means because I've sinned, I can't go to heaven. I can't be with God. I can't live out the destiny that God has for me. And God knew that about me. He knew that about you. And that's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He lived a sin-free life. And he said, and then, oh, and then he died on the cross and he rose again. And he told us this. He said, but whoever believes in me, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, whoever believes in me will not perish and have eternal life. I remember when I surrendered to the Lord. I, was, um, I did it as a little kid, obviously. But when I was 17, it really became real to me. The light bulb went on. I remember I was at a conference just like this. Guy was speaking. I don't even remember what he was speaking about, but I felt like he was in my closet, like this guy's spying on me. And when it was done, when he was done, in my head, it wasn't like a big emotional moment for me. I was like, nope, I'm in. This Jesus thing is real. Holy cow. And everyone was singing, and they were doing this thing and all that, and I was like, I got to go. And I walked to my hotel room. I knelt down in front of my bed, and I said, okay, I'm in. I don't know what that means. But God, you're real. Jesus, what do you want? What do you want from me? I, 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 I'm in. I surrender. I'll go wherever you want. I'll say whatever you want. Just don't send me to Fresno, California. Here I am. So here, here's the deal. Tonight, for some of you, it's your moment, but it's going to take some courage. 
is I'm going to call you forward in front of all your friends. And for some of you, are like, I can't do that. I'm scared. Listen, then drag your friend with you. If your friend brought you and you're scared to come down, make them come. It's their fault that you're here anyways. And that Jesus came knocking at the door of your heart. And they want to come with you and celebrate anyways. But listen. See, God, when I was 17, he knew all the pain I had. He knew my mom had cancer. He knew all, all the struggles I was going through. And look what it says in verse 7. It says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people, Egypt, in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Now, I know that the Israelites that are in slavery at that time, they didn't feel God's concern. They didn't hear God's concern. They were just going through it. And that's what happens. When you're going through something that's terrible, it's terrible. And you may not feel God in the moment, but here's what I want you to know. That your feelings never should dictate what the facts are. And the facts are that God loves you and has a destiny for your life. And you hold on to the facts because your feelings will come and go. Ever been in love with someone who was a turd? Remember that feel? Oh my gosh, she's so great. Now you're like, ooh, right? Feelings come and go, but facts. And the fact is that God has a destiny for your life. And then he says this. So I've come down to rescue them, verse 8, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Mosquito Bites, all of them. Verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So he, he says, I've seen their affliction. And the, the Hebrew word for affliction, I don't know if you know this, is oni. Everyone say oni. Okay? Oni. And it, 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 mean, it means um, and, uh, so, something that is holding you down. Something that is bringing you down. In the 21st century, you may not be a slave to the Egyptian people. But many, many of us in this room were a slave to our own anxiety. We, <laughs> whoa, anxiety. Um, <laughs> you lay in bed at night just staring at the ceiling, freaking out about things you can't control. We become a slave to our own fear. Our fear of missing out when we see a group of people on Instagram and we're not part of it. Our fear of not fitting in. Of not being enough. We can be a slave to our feelings. The depression takes over. We can be a slave to trying to be enough for everyone. I've got to take 75 AP classes and, and get straight A's and be captain of the football team and homecoming queen. <laughs> and you're exhausted. And you've never felt like you're enough. And see, Jesus came to help you overcome your affliction. And he heard. He saw. So here's the deal. God is greater than, than you and the plan for your life. Now, some of you, I know you think you're going to be the next Lauren Gray, and that's great. Some of you are like, I'm the next Lamar Jackson. That's awesome. Maybe, maybe you will be. But 
Look what, look what it says in Exodus 3, 10 through 12. It says, so now go. I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. See, he had a plan. He had a destiny. He had something great for Moses' life. And I believe this. There's many of you in this room right now. Your heart is leaping because you know deep inside you that God has a plan for your life. And you're scared to step into it. You're like, what about my plans? What about my plans? And I want to remind you, God's plans are so much better for your life than the ones you could ever craft. Ask your youth leaders. Ask any adult. None of our lives have turned out the way we planned them. And Jesus comes in and wrecks your plans in the best way ever. So then he says... Moses says in verse 11 to God, but who who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Some of you, you're scared to death to follow God. You're scared to give up something. You're scared to surrender to God. You're scared what people here are going to think about you. And here's what I want you to know. It's okay to be scared, but I want to give you the number one promise of Scripture is God says, I will be with you. He is with you right now. God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And then Moses says, okay, okay, if that's the plan, who are you? What's your name? He says, who should I say sent me? The bush? Can you imagine? He's like, yeah, I was out in the desert, and this burning bush told me that I'm going to set all of us free from slavery. And they'd be like, yeah, you've been burning bushes, bro. Um, I love this. I love it. Because he's like, who, 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 who are you? It says here, verse 13 and 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent sent me to you. His name's I am. Did you ever think about that? That the name of God, his name is I am. So... I find that fascinating because we live in a world now where, um, well, first of all, I, the word I am, it's a Hebrew word. It's, it's um, haya. Okay? That's kind of a cool Hebrew word, right? Let's all say it together. One, two, three. Haya. Better. Come on. A little louder. One, two, three. Okay. Some of you are lacking in the rhythm thing. So you go one, two, three. Haya. Okay, ready? One, two, three. There it is. Haya. It's I am. See, and um, we live in a culture where, like, we, we celebrate our individualism so much. And you hear it all the time, like, you be you, girl. Be the best version of you you can be. Be yourself. Be who you are, who you feel you are inside. Go be that person and never apologize for it. And we all go, yeah, awesome. And I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. What if you don't like the you that you are? What if the you that you are is broken? What if the you that you are real, is 
actually addresses reality. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of us are broken. All of us have sin in our lives. All of us are faking it like we're happy. And apart from God, you'll never be. And even church people do it, to be honest. We're even better at faking it sometimes. You ever ever show up at church and, you know, you're in the car with your parents. And they're like, I swear to God, I'll turn this car, drive it into a river, and kill you all. And then they get out and go, praise the Lord, God's good, isn't he? Waymaker, beautiful Savior. And we say, I got to be me. And here's the interesting thing. We also, like, we celebrate how everyone's unique. You're a snowflake. And no snowflake is identical. You're made, and, and it's true. If you look at a snowflake really close, none are identical. And that is true. Every one of you are very different if you look really close. But you ever, like, noticed how different snowflakes are in a snowstorm? You ever notice how different snowflakes are in eight feet of snow? No, they all look the same. They're all pretty similar. They all melt at the same temperature. They all freeze at the same temperature. So some of you are like, are you saying I'm not unique? I just came to encourage you. Don't worry. Um, but, But listen. If God's name is I am, I remember reading a book about 15 years ago by a guy named Louis Giglio, and he, 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 he brought this out about this passage. He said, if God's name is I am, then I know my name. You know what my name is? I am not. Think about that. Look at your neighbor right now. Introduce yourself as, hi, I am not. And here's the deal. I'm not. But I know I am. I am not, but I know I am. See, some of you are saying, I need some peace. I I can't sleep at night. I'm worried about everything. I worry about silly things. I need some peace. And God says, I am. I need some hope. My life is crumbling at the edges, and God says, I am. I need a fresh start. I am. Who can I trust? I am. I need a drink. I am. I need a high. I am. I need an escape. I am. No one's listening to me. I am. Will anyone notice me? I am notices you. I do so much for others. Who's pouring into me? I am. I'm not even sure why I'm on this planet anymore. I am. See, the great I am stands at the door of some of your hearts right now. And tonight's your night. It's your moment. It's the moment God called you. That on December 26th, you just thought you were going to some fun thing. You get to sleep over and get away from your parents. And you had no idea God was going to come knocking tonight. And it's going to take a bit of courage for you. But what the Bible says is this, that, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, 
He gave them the right to become children of God. That the I am knocks at the door of your heart. And if you will have the guts, if you can work up the small amount of courage to open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. Fill me. Forgive me. And make me the person you created me to be. And, and you don't even need to know how that works. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to have it all figured out. All, you know, you don't need a ton of faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you just need faith the size of a mustard seed, just tiny. And with that little bit of faith, and you invite Jesus in, he will grow it a hundredfold in your life. And he will rock your world. And his plan is great for you. There is something greater in your life. The I am, the great I am, calls you by name. And he's giving you the choice. What will you do? Will you surrender? Or will you just, nah, later. Well, here's what I know. The more you put off that knock, the fainter the knock gets. And at some point, your spiritual eyes, your spiritual ears grow cold to it, to the call of Jesus. So I would encourage you that you receive him and invite him in. All you have to do is pray. Some of you, I, I, I want to tell you this, you've done that before, but tonight there's something different. Right? I was little and I invited Jesus in my heart. But at 17, I was like, wait. No, there's more. And really what I didn't realize what it was is that God was calling me to be one of his. One of his servants. To do something for him. To do something great in this world for him. And some of you, I think God's calling you tonight to that. And don't run from it. Be bold. Don't be afraid because he is with you. And some of you, tonight's the night you just let him in. God's not calling you right now to go be a missionary in, in Africa or, or I'd like to be a missionary in Maui. But um, he's, he's not, he's just calling you to be his. And you need to do that. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment. And then the band's going to sing. And I'm going to invite you forward if, if, if you want Jesus. If, you, if you're in, if you want your bulb, you want those things, I want to pray a blessing over you that God's going to bless your life. But first, you have to surrender to him. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Take a deep breath right now. Know that God is here right now with you. And as Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone listens, I will come in. So if you've never received Jesus before, or you just don't know where you stand with God, you can know for a fact. All you have to do is invite him in. Just open your heart to him right now. And if you don't know what to pray, you don't know what to say to invite him in, maybe you just say something simple like, Jesus, I need you. I realize my sin has separated me from you. Come into my life and make me the person you created me to be. If that's you tonight, if that was a prayer of your heart, do me a favor. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you hold your hand up right now? Just hold it high. Don't be ashamed. God bless you and you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them up. God bless you. Thanks, man. God has big plans for you, bro. I mean that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you. God bless you. And you. 
Lord, I pray for every hand here, Lord, that you would set them apart for great things. Father, I pray that you would give them courage to lean into the relationship that they have with you. And we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.